I'm pulling out of the parking lot. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. And my son got an award at school today, so I had to go to the award ceremony. Anyway, um, today I have a fun topic. I'm going to talk about how all of you can design silver border cards. So I, I've spent a lot of time about talking designing normal cards, but I spent very little time about... I mean, I, I, I've done some behind-the-scenes stuff about designing how I designed them, but I've never really talked about how for you to design them. So I'm going to walk through the common pitfalls today of silver border design. Um, so let me start with the following. I think silver border design is one of the hardest things to design in Magic. Um, I do know, for example, when I talk to experienced Magic designers and I say to them, hey, would you like to be on a silver border design team? Uh, usually the response... Some of them are very eager to do it, but a lot of them are like, no way. You know, it's very, they're very hard to do. So even people that design Magic cards all the time recognize that it's a hard... It's a very uh, disciplined skill. So let me walk you through what exactly, what makes a good silver border card, uh, you know, when you're trying to design them. So first off, let me walk through the major pitfalls. Uh, and I'll, I'll go in depth on each of these pitfalls. So the number one pitfall, the number one mistake people make when they design on cards from the ones I've got to see. Now given, I see internal. Um, the on cards I'm seeing are people who work for wizards who are designing cards for, for an unset that I get, get to see. Um, so I... This is not based on the public. I don't get to see the public's cards. Um, but anyway, based on that, the number one mistake I see is too often they design things that can just be done in black border. Um, one of the truisms of silver border is that you are making something that you wouldn't make in black border. Now, there's a couple different uh, areas for that to be true. So let me walk through. What exactly makes something silver border, not black border? What makes it not black border? Okay, uh, the biggest category of things that aren't black border are things we just can't do in black border. We, we're not allowed to do, and that, those fall into um, two major camps. Number one are what I will call rules issues. The black border rules, so the normal rules, can handle certain things and other things it can't handle. So I'll give a good example. I try to make a card, uh, which you guys all know as staying power, that wasn't its name in Black Border, but the card basically is an enchantment that says anything that would end at end of turn does it. It's permanent. So the idea is it turns at end of turn until, until the end of the game. Um, so the idea is if you do giant growth and your creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn, with staying power, it just is forever plus three, plus three. Um, I originally made that for a magic set. And, you know, we do, we do permanent effects, we do uh, text alteration. So you're like, okay, all the component pieces we do, right? So like, for example, um, I'm allowed to give a creature plus three plus three permanently. Now, normally we would do that as three plus one plus one counters, but the game can handle per a, a permanency of count um, a permanency of a boost. And um, we do text splicing, right? We will, we will change things. So on first blush, this seems like, okay, what could be the problem? Why, why would this be problematic? The component pieces could be done. The problem is, um, while there are things we can do permanently, there are things that are temporary that the game, it's hard to make permanent. Um, and so the, the problem with um, like staying power is, it just says, well, I'm going to make anything that says until end of turn permanent. And there are reasons sometimes that we do things until end of turn. Um, there are some effects and some things that like... Um, the game does not handle well if there's not a duration tied to them. And so the problem we ran into was some effects are fine. I mean, there, there's, there are memory issues as well. The other thing with staying power is there's a lot of memory issues. But um, that alone, I mean, that alone might dissuade us from Black Border. Um, but the idea that I can just text splice anything of this kind, well, there are things we do durationally because we need them to be durational because they care about the duration. Um, and so it was one of those things that like, it's a technical thing. Like a lot of the thing I find, like there's cards I make all the time that are silver bordered. Um, I act like I just do them all the time, but I've, there are many cards that I've made in silver border that I've gotten the response from the audience of, Hey, why like super duper death ray? Um, which is a, uh, direct damage spell with trample. It was in, um, unstable. 
And people are like, yeah, why, why can't the game do that? That seems like a normal card. And once again, that's the example there is, it's something I had done. I originally did it on a card called Liquid Fire, I think, in Odyssey. And if you see Liquid Fire, we, we kind of wrote it out, but it's just, it's very awkward. Um, if you just, if you say, you know, do three damage trample or do five damage trample, whatever, super duper death, I think definitely might be four damage. Um, you kind of get the, like, one of the things that Silver Border does well is that the rules a lot of times get caught up on nuance. For example, in Future Sight, um, I think Mark Gottlieb suggested um, Last Strike and Triple Strike. Um, or, he, or he might have... I forget whether he recommended both or recommended one of them. Once Last Strike got um, submitted, then we knew we could do... Like, if Last Strike exists, you could do uh, Triple Strike. Because Triple Strike is just Last Strike, Normal Strike, and Double Strike. Um, now... In a vacuum, that doesn't seem that complicated. Like, it, it's very obvious how a last strike would work, for example. The problem from a game standpoint is the rules are written in such a way that that step doesn't exist. And in order to make a last strike work, you have to sort of define the rules to make it happen. Now, it is not that it couldn't be done. It is that it requires a lot of work and a lot of change. And sometimes when you change things, it requires rewording other things. And so one of the questions we always ask is, what's the benefit for making the change? How hard is the change? What is the benefit for making the change? Sometimes I make a brand new mechanic, like split cards or something, or double face cards. You know, um, a double face cards was made by the, um, originally was made by the um, Duel Master team. Tom was one that suge- Tom Lapilli suggested moving it over. Um, I, I did make split cards, but I did not make double face cards. I fought for double face cards, but I did not. I was not the one that originated them. Um, but anyway, the, each one of those, they brought with them rules baggage. They, the rules did not quite work with them, only because they didn't exist yet, and rules had to be make, made for them. But we look at something like hybrid mana, um, or, or split cards, or double face cards, there's a lot of utility. Each of those things we've done many times, um, and they've been something that's added value to magic, and we said, okay, there's some, how much do we have to add? Okay, it's manageable, and, and there's a few corner cases to deal with, but they don't come up so much. Okay, that is worth it. Um, the problem we ran in with Last Strike and Triple Strike is how many cards are we making with Last Strike? For example, in Future Sight, we were planning to make one card with Last Strike and one card with Triple Strike. Well, is completely rewriting the, the combat rules worth two cards? And the answer was no. So we didn't. Um, and so the reason I stuck them in Silver Border was, hey, these are cool abilities. You generally understand the ability. You know what I'm saying? You generally get the, the essence of how they work. Um, and so it, um, it's, the thing that Silver Border does well is taking rules and things that the reason they don't work is not that they're not grokkable. It's not that they're easy to understand. It's that there's some technicality. Like, one of the things about Black Border is we have tournaments. We have high-level tournaments. We need rules that there's definitive answers. And a lot of the things that, that Uncards can do is play in space that it's not definitive enough to work in tournament play, but it's good enough that eh, people get it. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to this in, in, a little bit later today. Um, but anyway, so, the, so, okay, so the first big category of, of things that we can't do is things that just do not work within the, the black border space, meaning the rules cannot handle the thing we're asking. And once again, yes, rules can be changed, but it's not worth the change. Um, well, and, and once again, it's split hairs again. There are some rule changes that we could do, but have a high cost to them. And there are some that we can't do in the sense that logistically... Well, there's some that are logistically problematic, and there's some that are contradictory. Like, you can't really add the rule because it contradicts another rule, and it causes paradoxical loops and things. Um, So there are some things that aren't worth changing, and so we don't do. And there's some things that we can't change. Both of those, though, are fairground for silver borders, as long as they make sense. The other thing that we can't do is on the creative side. There are things that we've decided that we um, to make off limits, and once again, that's the creative team who makes that decision. Um, 
for example, squirrels, beetles, um, you know, there are certain things that we do in silver border that we just have been deemed off border for, for black border. I will admit some of these I don't quite get. Squirrels to me should just be in black border as far as I'm concerned. Uh, even beebles, I think beebles have a place in black border. Um, but it is not my call to make that decision. Um, so anyway, um, okay. So that is the first batch of things. Um, okay. Now there are other things that we don't do in black border, uh, not cause the rules can't handle them, but just, we've, we've sort of deemed it off limits from a overall, I don't know, feel of the game. So the classic example of this would be, uh, six sided dice, dice rolling, six sided dice usually. Um, and the answer there is we have, we allow a little bit of coin flipping. Um, Richard put some coin flipping early in Magic, and we allow coin flipping every once in a while. Not very often, but infrequently. And we tend not to put it on uh, anything that's remotely close to tournament viable. Um, one of the things that is easy to comprehend, the rules can handle just fine, is rolling a six-sided die. Um, there's, in fact, a lot of fun design space. Unglued is played in it. Unstable is played in it. Um, uh, uh, Unsanctioned plays a little bit in it. Um, one of the things that is interesting about silver border, I'm sorry, about silver six-sided dice rolling is one, it's just what we call high variance, meaning, oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen. It's one out of six. We've made a conscious decision in Blackboard and Magic to be careful about our variance and to be careful about things that are very high-profile high, high variance. Um, and so we have decided to make um, Silver Border... Um, I'm not Silver Border. Sorry, I keep saying Silver Border when I mean Six-Sided Eye. Uh, we've decided to make dice rolling not a Black Border thing. Now, that's good for me, the guy who makes Silver Border cards, um, mostly because there's a lot of fun space in dice. And that, like I said, one of the tricks of making Silver Border cards is not making something we do in Black Border. Um, and so dice are nice. It's nice that dice exist. It, there's a lot of fun cards you can make with dice. Okay, next. Um, another thing that separates Silver Border from Black Border um, is the humor. And sometimes we'll do other things. Like, for example... Um, one of the things we did on Stable with some of the commons is we did art variants. And the art var- the cards we did were simple cards. They were vanillas or French vanillas. Um, or in one case, it had a sack ability. But um, they were relatively simple cards. Those cards, in a vacuum, we could have done in a normal set. Uh, but we no longer do uh, extensive art variants. We-, we did them back in, like, Fallen Empires. Um, we do a little bit of art variants in that we do showcase cards. Um, but the idea right now is when we make a set, there's a default piece of art that players, um, know what the art is. And so, um, we try to make sure that there's a default piece of art. Um, so we, we try not to make a lot of of our art variants in normal black border sets. In silver border, we had some fun with it. I mean, obviously we did some things to make sure they were recognizable, um, but that's an example of cards that, that it, just some aspect of it has to be something we won't do. As long as there's... One of the tricks is there's a bunch of things that we don't do in Black Border that, um, for example, in the past, things we've done. We've done fractions. We've, uh, we do things like outside assistance where you, you ask somebody outside the game for something. Um, we put other people's cards in your hand. That's something we don't normally do. Um, so there's a lot of like little things where we like anything that as long as something on the card. Um, oh, another thing that we don't do in Black Border is we don't do f- physical things, things that involve any kind of physicality. Um, obviously, once upon a time, there was Chaos Orb and Falling Star, which you had to throw. We don't do that, those anymore. Throwing cards are all in Black Border. Um, Things that have a verbal component where you have to talk. Black Border sub-games are now in Black Border. 
Um, some games like Shahrazad, where you stop the magic and go play another game of magic and then come back. That that's a little too logistically problematic for for black border play. So we do those in Silver Border. Um, so there's a bunch of things. Like one of the things about making Silver Border is kind of knowing what is a Silver Bordered thing, so that you have some flexibility when you're making things. Um, the other thing we occasionally do in Silver Border, and I try to avoid this, it's not ideal. We've done it a, a little bit on the holiday cards, um, is something in which um, the flavor of the it's a top-down design, and the the overall top-down design is something we never do in Black Border. Fruitcake Elemental is my example here, where it's an like we do elementals made out of weird things, but fruitcake's a little silly. We wouldn't normally do a fruitcake, but um, it is something that is um, it was I mean it was for the holiday cards, so it was kind of cute. It was it was meant to be funny. The holiday cards are silver bordered, um, but nothing about that card design couldn't be done in black border. But on the, the, the idea behind it was um, the top, the design only really worked. Like the, the reason that the, all the pieces of the design held together is because it was a fruitcake. And the joke of fruitcakes is people pass it back and forth. And so it kind of had a design that was top down based on a silly thing. And even though all the components could be done in Black Border, the combined combination of it is something we wouldn't do in Black Border. Um, that's kind of subtle. We don't do that very often. Um, but every once in a blue moon, if we really, really like the top-down silliness of something, um, normally though, normally even in those cases, one of the tricks is if you add in some small element, if like 90% of the card is black border, but 10% is silver border, it's silver border. Um, that any amount of silver border makes the card silver border. It's not like, well, most of this is... Most of this could be done in magic, in black border magic. Um, and so when making silver border cards, being well-versed... So let's see, let me run through um, the list one more time for you. Dice rolling is silver bordered. Um, caring about... Oh, ca- uh, caring about any quality of, of a card that is... That could change between cards. What I mean by that is a card is... A card that has the same English name is identical from a uh, rule standpoint for for normal blackboard tournaments. So, for example, um, think about anything that you could reprint a card and something could be different. For example, or it could be in another language and something could be different. Um, so, although the language is a little bit weird because you, I guess you translate language cards as English. So, think more about, I'm reprinting a card in English. What are qualities of the card that could change? Number one, it could have different art. It could have different art, different art or different artist. Um, it could have a different. Um, it can have a different uh, uh, collector number. It could have a different copyright. It could have a different number of lines of text. It could have different flavor text. You know. Um, so all those things are fair game. So anything that, that looks at the quality of a card and asks for something that might be something that might vary between two cards that are the same but reprinted, that is off limits for Black Border. Uh, expansion symbol as well. Um, so right. So if the art, caring about art, caring about artist, caring about expansion symbol, caring about um, length of rule text, uh, caring about collector number, caring about legal text, anything, caring about flavor text, all that is fair game. Um, the other thing that we don't do in Blackboardered is we don't care about names by the qu- the quality of the name. We might say, does it have this name? That we can do in Blackboarder. Like, there could be a card that goes, oh, if this other card name is in play, I get a bonus. We can do that. But what we can't do is look and say, hey, does this card have two words? Does this card have a certain letter? Um... All that is fair game for Silver Bordered. Um, okay, so Silver Bordered um, also you can you can do physical things, you can do verbal things, you can um, interact with other people, um, you can interact with other games. Although the rule when you interact with other games 
is you can only act with other games in which you can see Silver Border cards being played in the other game. The idea is if you're playing Silver Border, then you can be involved in Silver Border shenanigans, but if you're not, you can't. So you can't play a game next to a serious game and mess with the game with your Silver Border cards. You're not allowed to do that. Um, what else? Um, if you have a sub-game, if you... Um, uh, yeah, put cards that you don't own in your hand. Uh, if cards are face up in your library, um, right? If you're using any rules that aren't supported in the normal black border rules, although that it's a little fuzzy because sometimes you make a brand new thing that doesn't currently have rule support, but black border can make rule support. That, that's the trickiest ones where. I've made silver border cards before, and then somebody makes a card in a blackboard set that kind of does what I made, and like, oh, I did think you could do this, but apparently you can. So, um, that is one of the hardest things at home of making silver border cards is you don't have the rules rules manager, you know, several decks over that you can go, hey, Eli, uh, can blackboard do this? And Eli will always say one of three things to me. He'll go, yes, blackboard can do that. He'll go, no, blackboard can't do that. Um, or he'll go maybe, and then maybe is, you know, well, we could make it work, but, you know, here's how much energy it would take to do it and sort of gauge whether it's worth it. You know, one of the tricky things in general about um, silver border cards is trying to figure out the value of what makes things work. Anyway, okay. So number one problem people have in making silver border cards is they make black border cards that aren't silver bordered. So don't do that. Okay. Number two, uh, the number two mistake I see when people make uh, Civil Border cards is they make cards that are funny to read but not funny to play. And what I mean by that is... Um, sorry, one second. Let me take a sip of water. Um, okay, so what I mean by that is um, you don't just... The point of a Silver Border card... Yes, people are going to see it for the first time. Yes, you're trying to make it humorous. Yes, you want to entertain them with what it does. You know, but you also want to make sure that what you're making is not just sort of entertaining in the sense that when you read it, it you go, ooh, that's not... But when you actually play the card, that's interesting. And a big mistake I see with Silver Border cards are people that make humorous things that are funny, that tell a joke, um, but that aren't playable or aren't particularly fun to play. Um... Uh, I'll use a real uh, life good example, uh, a mistake that I made. I would argue that Gotcha, the mechanic from Unhinged, falls in this category after much soul-searching. So what Gotcha was is Gotcha said, um, if a certain action is taken while I'm in the graveyard, you can get me back from the graveyard. If 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 your opponent does it and you say Gotcha, then you get it back. Uh, and a lot of the things, for example, were verbal things, if they say a certain word. Um, some of them had to do, did they laugh? Did they touch their face? Did they touch the table? Did they flick their cards? Um, and the idea of gotcha was that, you know, oh, I do something and you're aware it's in the graveyard and now you have to try to work to not do that thing. Um, but what we found out is the actual way to play it, if, if you're trying to win, and people usually try to win, even in some border games, people are still trying to win. The correct strategy is just to be quiet, you know, or or just not do anything. Oh, laughing might cause me problems in the game? Well, I guess I better not goof around because then I might laugh. You know, oh, saying a certain word might cause problems? Well, I better stop talking because if I talk, maybe I'll say the word. And what it ended up doing was it made people sort of not interact. It made people sort of clam up and... The whole fun of a silver border product is that you're that you're laughing and talking. You know, the social aspect is very important, and so that we made something that made people sort of withdraw from the social part of it. When that's a big part of what makes it fun, was a, a good example of a mistake, you know. And I think when you read Gotcha for the first time, they read they read fun. You know, what I'm saying like, oh, what's going to you know? But when you actually played them, they didn't play out fun, and that that was a big mistake. Um, so real quickly, behind the scenes. So how did Gotcha get made? Um, the problem we had with Gotcha was that the team that was playtesting it, we were trying to have fun. 
meaning that we were we 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 weren't really playing with a spike effort as much as we were trying to we were trying to have fun. And so when we get a gotcha card, the person who you know the the opponent wouldn't stop talking. They were just tried really hard not to say it. Meaning they would they would lean into the mechanic. And when you did that, it was a fun mechanic. Like when when everyone sort of said, "Okay, you know, if you say certain words, it's a problem. So what I'm going to do is talk carefully. There was some fun there, you know, trying to have a normal game and enjoy yourself, but not say the word. You know, there was something fun to that. But what we missed was we just didn't have any sort of spike players playing, going, oh, I want to win at all costs. What do I do? Oh, talking's bad. I'll just not talk anymore. And um, I think we had one play test where one person did that. And, I, and my mistake was rather than recognize, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that, that is a real strategy. We should, we should think about that. I just said, oh, he's just not, you know, he's not in the spirit of, of it. And I, 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 I made a crucial mistake. Was something I, 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 one of my big lessons um, in designing Silver Border is you want to have people play who are trying to win and watch what they do. Because one of my, like if you ever listened to my, my 20 lessons from uh, GDC, one of them talks about how you have to make the fun, um, you, you can't force them to hunt for the fun. You have to put the fun where they'll find it. You have to make the, you know, you have to make the fun something when they naturally do what they want to do in the game that they get to the fun part. It can't be like you, you make them hunt and find the fun. Because sometimes they're not going to find it and then the game won't be fun. And I think Gotch is a classic example where um, I, I made people have to hunt for the fun. Um, it's interesting. Uh, another life lesson, mine real quick. I have a bunch of traffic, so uh, I, I can add a few stories in. Um, when I was in college, I had a play group. I, I might have told the story before, but it's, a, it's an important story for this point. Um, I had a play group that played games. Uh, and so oftentimes on Saturday night, we'd get together, um, and we'd often go to the store, and we'd go to the game store together, and we'd buy a game, and we'd play it. And we had so much fun. All the games were so much fun. And then when we left college, we divvied up the games. Um, and one of the games was a game, I don't know, I name it, but basically you, lo- you look at, um, at like ink blots and it's a game kind of like, um, Balderdash. It's a bluffing game where you say what you see in the, in the ink blot. And then, um, you're trying to guess the per- one person is the, the, not the judge, but one person is the person who um, writes, like every, they write what they think and then everybody else writes something trying to make you think the person who is doing it, it's them. So you're trying to mimic what they're saying. And we used to have a blast with the game. It was so much fun. And then I took the game because that was one of the games I got and I played with other people and it was miserable. And I'm like, what the, this was such a fun game. What happened? And what I later came to realize was what I, the, the thing I had in, in college was this golden group of gamers that just really knew kind of how to make a game fun. Like, we were really good at just taking any game and, and making it fun. And what I found was when I took this game and I pulled it out of this group to a group that had less experience doing that, the game itself wasn't inherently fun. Like, we had made it fun. We'd imbued fun in it. Um... And that's something to be very careful with silver border cards. And then this is true with playtesting. It's so easy when you're playtesting your own silver border cards that you sort of know what you want the fun to be, so you make the fun happen. This is why, um, and this is true not, not just for silver border, but why getting playtests of people that aren't familiar with you is important. You want to see what people do when they don't know any better. What do you think they do? Um, and, you know, I, th- I think that that's a valid... Um, it's a valid thing to keep in mind. Okay. Um, next. Um, oh, so okay. I'm sorry. I was talking about uh, the second problem is that people make cards that are fun to look at, not fun to play. There's an easy solution to this, and the easy solution is play the cards. Play the cards. If the if the cards are funny, 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 and you play them and they're not fun to play, sorry, no go. Um, now, normally, one of the things I will say is normally there's something funny about the card and you play test it, you know, you can kind of tweak it to keep the funny but make it play better. That's something you can do. 
And like I just said, make sure you're playtesting with people that don't already know the joke, that don't already know what the point of the card is. Um, uh, like I like to say, uh, you want to have playtesters that aren't emotionally invested in you. Meaning people that don't care, that are, that are willing to hurt your feelings because they'll be brutally honest. You need the honesty. And especially with Silver Border cards, you want people to play your cards so you see what they do with them. And by the way, there's two completely different reasons why it's valuable. One is you want to see, are, are they doing things you don't think because maybe they're playing in a way that aren't fun. The second thing is sometimes they're doing things you never would think of it and it, it inspires you to think about other things you might want to put in the set. You, know, you, you think of synergies you might not normally, normally have thought of. Okay, the third thing that people do when they make Silver Border cards that causes problems is they make cards that don't make sense. And what I mean by that is um, your cards have to be playable by humans. And what that means is um, just because black border rules can't handle it, and sometimes even if they can handle it, it's a matter of can humans handle it. The, the rule for silver border for me is not can the rules handle it, because I, I, I don't particularly care in this case, is can the humans playing the game handle it. Um, and what I mean by that is something like last strike or first strike. Look, you're going to most likely, you know, if you, if you understand that last strike is opposite first strike, you're most likely going to play that correct, especially if you give you a little, a little tiny bit of instruction. Um, but sometimes people, people make cards that don't have any internal consistency to them, it's like, I'm doing a weird thing to do a weird thing. And like, oh, okay, how does that work? And that sometimes you read a card that's kind of weird for the sake of weird, and it just, the reason it's not a good uncard is you don't know what it does, you don't understand it. And so one of the things that's important when you're making uncards is that you, and this is why playtesting, again, is important, that you, you want to understand what's going to happen. Um, as a rule of thumb... I'm not worried about corner cases. I'm not worried about I do something weird and then, okay, what if this, this weird thing and that weird thing come together? The, 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 the weird corner cases mostly can be figured out. What I care more about is when I have a card and you do a normal thing. It's not a corner, corner case. It's something you would see in any magic set and you're like, I don't know what happens. Okay, that, that's where you start getting in trouble. When you're just playing with basic effects and you don't know the response to them. Now, one of two things can happen. A, you can just scrap it. Or B, you can spend more time and energy understanding what it is you want and what the intuitive things are so that you can start crafting it to be more leaning in that direction so that people are playing it correct. But it is, like I said, I get a surprising number of cards and I'm like, you know, someone's... Um, well, okay, and the, the, the next one is tangential. is where someone's messing with something to mess with it because it's never been messed with before but not in a way that sort of feels organic. So one of the things about designing uncards um, is the idea, what, what I call organic. What I mean is that it is all the component pieces have to work together in a way that we don't do all that often. I mean, sometimes in Black Border, but not nearly as much. Like, um, my example here is Shoe Tree. So Shoe Tree was uh, a card in Unhinged, it was a tree folk that had shoes hanging on it and that when it entered the battlefield, you got to put some counters on it and those counters had to be your shoes. They were plus one plus the counters, but only if represented by shoes. And so the idea was, it was a card that uses counters, but used counters in an odd way because it, like, one of the things about shoe counters is you have to have a shoe. Okay, well, two shoes most likely you have. But the third shoe starts to become problematic. And the answer is, did you bring extra shoes? Do you, do you borrow shoes from other players? You know, it makes you have to start doing things. Um, and that's a good example, by the way. Um, well, I'll get to uh, other people in a second. Um, but um, shoe tree was the kind of thing where, in order for it to work, it had to be called shoe tree because the, the, that name is what ties it all together. Um, it had to be a tree folk because it had to be shoe tree. It had to be a tree. It had to use counters that were shoe counter. You know what I'm saying? And all, all these component pieces that if you said to me, well, it can't be a tree folk. Well, then I'm like, well, then I can't call it shoe tree. Then you know, it stops holding together. 
And there's a holistic quality that also is important in making this film work hard. You want to feel like all those pieces come together to make something which is, you know, um, the whole is larger than some of its parts. That's even more so in Uncards, where you're really trying to make something that is something. Um, and a lot of, like, I'll use a more recent example, which is Circadian Night Owl. We started with a night owl, right? We knew we wanted a night owl. Um, and that meant two things. One is it meant that he was literally going to be an owl that was a night because we're playing into the pun. And it also meant I wanted to care about things in a way that felt owlish. Well, one of the things about owls is they're nocturnal. So clearly there's this desire of, well, what if I care about whether it's day or night? Which you know plays nicely into owls. And then when I'm naming... And then once I realized I want to care about day and night, I knew I needed an activation in black because of the nature of... How, these were enemy legendaries we were doing. So I needed a black activation. I love the idea that the black activation is at night. Um, and then that, that there's a how to parallel if we can. Like, oh, well, then you got a white activation. That's during the day. Okay, you can get one of two abilities. One of it's night, one of it's day. Figuring out what that is. We made it flying because it's nocturnal. And then vigilance for day. Um, anyway, and we put all that all together, and then obviously we needed to name him because he needed a proper name, and then so we serve something because it's night, it's circadian because it's night day. Um, but all those pieces have to come together, and, and a lot of the what makes a, a card sing is that it it has a cohesive whole. Okay, so now we're getting away from problems and into things that you want to do. So number one of things you want to do is you want to be um, cohesive in your design. The, the name, the flavor text, the art card concept, all of it has to hang together. It has to be something that is a cohesive piece. Now I will say, sometimes, like very often sometimes, I'll design something that's in, that just mechanically makes sense and then later figure out in the flavor of how it needs to function. Um, but you always, as you build along and evolve your designs, you ha- you, the, the, the perfect state of an uncard is it does something cool, but all the pieces tie together in a way that feels thematic. That, that is very important. Um, another aspect, since there's a lot of humor in it, is not only do you want to bring up the different aspects, but have something humorous about it, that, you know, like Circadian, as example, a night owl, there's some comedy there. An owl is not normally a night. And so you, you, you get to play around some fun space. Um, okay, so you want it to be a whole. The other thing you want to do is, um, I think silver border cards shine when they meet the following criteria. They make you tell stories about playing them. And what that means is, I have enough experience in the act of playing them that I want to share that experience with other people. That is what prompting a story means is that it's something that I go oh I wanted you know it, it, it made something happen on such a level that I'm encouraged to sort of talk about it and we try hard with uncards you know for some of our cards to really have an agenda and push something um, that they can make stories happen the classic example of that is um, I think it was called um, Take Five um, there's a card in Unstable where you have 30 seconds to high-five as many people as possible. And then you gain life for every high-five and anybody who is high-five gains a life if they're playing in a Civil border game. And um, the whole point of that card was... Sorry. Um, the whole point of that card was I wanted there to be moments, especially like in game stores, where someone goes, okay, I'm playing this card. And then like... People would line up, and you know, you'd have giant, um, like giant uh, hand hand pumping, you know, high fives all around the, the room. Um, and then I knew that it would it would make an experience, it would make a moment, you know. And that one of the things that silver cards really shine is you want to make um, things that capture. You know, what I'm saying that that there's something about them that really captures. Okay, so that ties into the third thing. Um, which is understanding the value of humor and understanding the value of sort of what I'll call charm, which is 
we try to make uncards for for the most part charming in the way that they're they're goofy and silly and fun but in a very charming way that it just makes you entertained by the idea and that's an important quality um one of the things that when you're making your names and you're doing all that the the humor isn't uh, like for example interestingly today to gauge a little bit um i did a poll today about would you prefer silver border cards that just didn't have the humor you know, if we made a set that was a silver border set that did exactly what silver border does, but just stripped the humor out of it, would you like it more or less? And a giant percentage, like last I saw, close to like four fifths, said they'd like it less. So what, the other thing when you're making your cards is you want to really think through how you can play up the humor, how you can make something that that. Like I said, you wanted to tell stories, but you also wanted to speak to people, and you wanted to sort of um, play with their heartstrings in some ways. You know, maybe it's a weird thing, it's a cute thing, it's a thing that messes in a space that was a meme, or I, I don't know. Be careful on memes; memes are timely. Timely. Um, you know, when you're making your silver border, you want to make sure that you're making something that the the goal of silver border is a. Is, the number one goal is not to make the most competitive games. In fact, we do a lot of high variance. I'll get to that in a second. But um, the most important thing is we want people to have fun. We want people to interact and have socialness. And so another thing to constantly think about your cards is not only a matter of how much stories they tell, but how much is it prompting interaction. And that interactions are good. One of the reasons I was really happy with outside assistance in Unstable was it just made you go interact with other people. And it was fun to bring other people into your game. And they get to make a decision that means something. And so, you know, it, that dynamic I, I thought was really enjoyable. Um, okay. Uh, another thing that you want to do in making a Silver Border card um, is make it as simple as it can be to do the thing you're doing. Um, another common mistake I see, I forgot to mention in my common mistakes, is... Uh, people really tend to make uncards super wordy. They're like, oh, I have a weird thing and I gotta explain it all and I gotta put as much on it that also ties into it. Um, the best uncards, and I would argue in some ways the best black border cards too, are ones that have a clarity of purpose, that know who they are, know what they do, it's simple, but it just is asking you to do something that is offbeat. That a lot, to me, of really fun uncards are ones that just ask you, the player, care about something you don't normally care about but in a way where there's some entertainment value to caring about it. You know, that is a big part of what um, will really make an uncard sing is you know, that it, uh, it it speaks to you, right? That there's something darling about the card. Um, and part of that, like I said, one of the reasons that uncard design is so hard is there's a lot of nuance I mean, all magic design has nuance, but there are nuances upon nuances. Like, one of the things I find funny is how often I explain a joke in a previous onset, and people who have played the onset go, yep, never caught that, never saw that. Um, and this is on cards where people are looking for the jokes. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that I enjoy about onsets, and that I recommend for you if you're making on cards, is I love seeing where I can push boundaries and where I can just cram jokes in. I mean, I like to cram so many jokes into an uncard. I mean, as many as I can. Um, and it's not just my jokes. The artist has jokes and the templators have jokes. And, you know, there's all sorts of things. There's all sorts of ways to make it funny. And, like, one thing that's interesting is, like, um, you know, um, one of the things that I appreciate about Unsets is that everybody who works on it you know, like, oh, let's use Unstable as my example, is, okay, obviously my design team was really into trying to make it an unset, but the creative team really had fun with it. The artists really had fun with it. Um, the, the editors really had fun with it. They, you know, they, for example, if you look at the reminder text, one of the things that's a lot of fun is um, the editing team has a lot of fun with the reminder text, which is just, we're going to remind you, but can we remind you in a way that's entertaining? Can we make the reminder text funny? Um, you know, the packaging people had a lot of fun trying to add extra value in. The marketing people, like everybody at every level is like, 
this is the essence of what it is. How do we add to that? And that was really fun. And, and part of the neat thing about making silver border cards is trying to make things that, like, if you are not making them by yourself, but you're making them with other people, really let your partners have a chance to shine too. And a lot of times, by doing back and forth and, and playing on different kinds of humor. Um, oh, that's another big one I, I would recommend as well. Um, diversify your humor. You Like, it's okay to have some cards that are subtle and dry, some cards that are blunt and in your face. You know, you want to have a smattering of different kinds of humor just because your audience is going to be different people and they have different kinds of humor. And, you know, if you do exactly just what is your style of humor, fine, people who in, who enjoy your style of humor will like it. But then a lot of people might not like the overall product because, oh, the kind of humor employee is not their kind of humor. So we like to mix up the humor and make sure that we're doing a bunch of different kinds of things and, and doing the humor. Um, other things when doing, um, like I said, yeah, okay, so keep it on. Um, make sure the story is to tell. Make sure it doesn't work at Black Border. Um, Make sure there's humor added in it. Make sure that it's holistic and the pieces all come together. And and like I said, try to keep it as short as possible. Um, if you have one really cool idea that fits and's on, it can often stand by itself. It doesn't need to be mixed with lots of other things. Okay, so now I've given you a lot of basics on making the individual cards. So let me talk a little bit about making um, a set of cards or a mechanic and stuff. One of the things that's important when making a mechanic for an unset is, um, well, let me talk about variants, I guess, as we get into mechanics. So one of the things we try very hard in Black Border is we try to limit the variance so much. We want skill to matter. In a Black Border game, we would like the skilled player, meaning the player that's the better skilled player, to win the majority of the time. Not all the time. You know, We want the, the lesser player to win some of the time, but we because of tournaments and all the stuff we do that's very serious with it, we want skill to be an important factor. And so the idea with variance in Black Border is that skill is supposed to reign supreme. That we, if we're going to make a design that's going to cause the better player to lose you know, the majority of the time rather than win the majority of the time, that's problematic. In Silver Border, the idea is it's less about competition and it's more about the social, emotional aspect of playing. Right? It's about having fun and enjoying time with your friends. And so what we found there is variance makes games fun and dramatic. And if your attitude isn't, I got to win, I got to win, I got to win, and more like, I'm going to do what the set's telling me to do and have fun, um, the high variance is something that we really lean into to make, um, to just to, to add some, I mean, it makes the games play differently. It makes a little bit more excitement you know, and it allows for wild, like wild swings can be very fun. It's frustrating when you can't, like when I'm playing a match in which, oh my God, the outcome, it really matters whether I win or not. Having random factors determine things is very frustrating. But in a game where I, I walk in knowing, hey, look, I'm going to have fun, win or lose, I'm going to have fun. And then crazy things happen. I can enjoy and get in on the crazy. I can be part of the crazy rather than sort of rail against the crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're, if you're at a, you know, the world championship and, you know, it all comes down to, you know, can I do three-card Monty with my opponent or whatever, pick, pick, pick a wacky un-thing. Um, can I toss a card from three feet or, you know, when I, it comes to something that, that's not what magic, you know, is at its core about. It, it, um, that, that would really be unfulfilling. But if you're playing a game, like one, one of my favorite magic games is I was on Game Nights and I, we were playing with um, Unstable, and I was playing Josh, and Josh got out slaying Mantis, and was like, okay, I gotta throw this, and I'm like, oh goodness, like I could be in real trouble if he hits my, especially if he hits multiple of my creatures. And so there's this wonderful moment where I'm kind of sweating, and I'm like, oh no, and Josh lays up, and there's all this lead up to it, and he throws it, and it misses the table. And we laughed so hard, and it just was a great, fun moment, you know what I'm saying? It's something that I always remember, and that it's one of the hardest I've ever laughed in a Magic game, and like that is an awesome thing, you know what I'm saying? And jo I ended up winning that game. Josh didn't win, but like Josh was like, "Oh, that was an awesome game," you know, because it was really fun. Because look, we we're playing, we we're playing Silver Border, like 
the the experience of playing is more important than the winning. Yeah, 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 you want to win. I'm not saying you don't try to win. But when you lose, it's not as sort of heart-wrenching. You're saying if you're in the world championship and if you win, you're the world champion and you lose, it is devastating. I've talked to many people in that situation. You know, it's being so close to something that really, really matters to you and missing, you know, it, it, it can tear at you. You know what I'm saying? But playing a fun game where goofy things happens and you understand there's variance. So when you're making your own card, do not be afraid of variance. I mean, obviously you can use die rolling, but um, variance just means that um, if the same thing happens over many games, that many outcomes will happen. That's, that's what variance is. For example, in something where there's not a lot of variance, if you play 100 games and this comes up, oh, well, 90 times the same thing will happen. And if you say high variance, like, oh, well, it's all over the board, you know. Um, usually in high variance, A, there can be more options, so there doesn't have to be more options. And whether something will happen or not is more up to unknown. It's more coin flippy, for example, than determined by skill. Um, although I, I will say that uh, variance can often depends on randomness, but it doesn't have to depend on randomness. There's other ways to have high variance. Uh, and part of that is just um, if you give somebody conscious choice, even if they have conscious choice, and you make those choices um, something where, you know, more all over the board, um, like you can make something where more different things can happen. Uh, another good example might be uh, host and augment. Uh, there's no, there's no randomness. I mean, other than I guess the card drawing, but you you choose where to put things, and so opportunity costs will make you mix and match things differently. So even though I might have the same host and augment cards in my deck, from game to game, they're just going to be combined differently, and so the cards are going to play. There's variance there. So that's an example of variance without randomness. Um, so be aware of variance. Um, be aware of synergies. One of the things, I mean, this is true in any design, but especially in silver border design, you want to think about when I'm doing things, because you're caring about things you don't normally care about, be conscious of thinking about those things on other cards. Meaning if one card cares about, I don't know, whatever, you, you, you know, when one card cares about some weird thing, you do want to think about, oh, well, do I have weird things that it can care about? Like if you have a card that cares about something that no magic cards ever cared about, well, make sure other cards in your set have that thing, you know what I'm saying? We don't want to do is I care about this weird thing and then nothing in the set is even that thing does not lead to great experiences. But if I care about a thing and the set you're playing with has that thing, then it, you know, it can be relevant. Um, I also like to think how Silver Border plays with Black Border. Um, not everybody will do that. Some will only play Limited, which is stuck to Silver Border. But I also like to think of synergies in Black Border. I prioritize synergies within the set over outside the set because a lot of limited will be played, but I, I, I do look at both. Um, the other thing that's fun sometimes for Civil Water Design is taking a card that you'd like to make that something about it doesn't quite work uh, in Black Border, but because Civil Border is a little bit looser, you can make it work. Um, there's definitely cards I've done that way as well, where I'm like, oh, I just can't quite make the card I want to make in Black Border, but with the extra tools available to me, I can make in Silver Border, and sometimes I will do that as well. So anyway, you, there was some rain today, so you guys got some extra content. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, um, Silver Border design is very hard. It is very hard. Do not get discouraged. Um, it is very difficult. Um, you know, we've had a lot of hole fillings for Silver Border where we get back stuff and none of it's usable. That is how tricky Silver Border it is. So... Um, I hope today sort of walks through a lot of the issues of things to look out for and things you're trying to do and maybe tools you can help. So anyway, I hope for those that are enjoying it or even those that are never going to make a Civil Border card, maybe make you appreciate a little more how hard it is for us to make the Civil Border card. So either way, um, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed today. I hope the, uh, the extra uh, content was good because uh, traffic means more content for you. But I'm now at work. So we all know what this means. This is the end of my drive to work. So set of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.